This is Marilyn Monroe Radio, the only broadcast brought to you from the heart of Tinseltown, where we will revisit, re-examine, and reminisce about the life, films, career, and even the death of Hollywood's most beloved star, Marilyn Monroe. I'm your host, Samantha McLaughlin. Marilyn Monroe Radio is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please subscribe, download, review, and share this and other episodes with your friends. I skipped school while attending Pasadena City College. Kids, I don't recommend you doing this. Unless it's for a really good reason. I had a really good reason. I was going to see a real movie star from the golden age of Hollywood. I can't recall the class anymore, but... I do remember it as if it were yesterday, what it was like to meet Jane Russell. I'll get back to this in a second. Jane carried herself differently. Stars of that caliber had a distinct air about them. They were all together a different breed, and oh my God, was she gorgeous. Jane had always been kind to Marilyn's memory, and she never missed an opportunity to compliment Blondel as she used to call Marilyn. Jane was a Hollywood veteran with some of my favorite films, Underwater, Son of Paleface, Macau, and her favorite, as well as mine, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And she took Marilyn under her wing as if she were an older sister. Marilyn was relatively new to Hollywood and lacked the support, with the exception of her makeup artist, Alan Whitey Snyder, and her acting coach, Natasha Lightis. Unlike Jane, who went home every night to her family and friends, Jane was kind enough to show Marilyn the ropes and eased Marilyn's nerves on the set. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is about two girlfriends, Dorothy and Lorelai Lee. And in reality, the two girlfriends, Jane and Marilyn, also had each other's back when the press tried to stir up a rivalry. They didn't take the bait. True girl power on and off the screen. I read in the newspaper... Oh, newspapers? Newspapers were word written on paper that was circulated to newsstands, supermarkets, and on your doorstep via the paperboy. That's how we got the news in my day. Anyway, the newspaper said that Jane Russell was on tour with her autobiography, Outlaw, My Path and My Detours. She would be at Vroman's Bookstore, located on Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena, California, That's worth skipping class for. So I stood in line and I waited. I took a few photographs while in line, being careful not to shoot the entire roll of film. Being a starving student at the time and working nights as a waitress at the Salt Shaker in South Pasadena, I couldn't afford much, but I did get the necessities such as Marilyn Monroe books and Jane Russell's book. Jane was extremely gracious I brought another book with me and nervously pointed to a page. And without skipping a beat, Jane said, I know her. And she put me at ease immediately. She had a way of doing that. She autographed on several pages of my James Spada book and her autobiography. And she even took a few pictures with me. Afterwards, we chatted and she was very approving and impressed with my archaic newsletters I had shared with her from Marilyn Forever, which later transitioned into All About Marilyn. Living in Beverly Hills, I don't get starstruck. 
per se. Not because I see movie stars around from time to time. Jane was an exception because they just don't make them like that anymore. As always, enjoy. Except when soft rains fall and drip from leaves Then I recall the thrill of being sheltered in your arms Of course I do But I get along without you very well I've forgotten you just as I should, of course I have. Sweet Avan, looking for trouble, won't mind the trouble. If trouble looks like a man, won't mind the trouble. If trouble looks like a M-A-N, if trouble Why, Mr. Pritchett, how nice to see you. Uh, Yes, Miss Lee. You are Miss Lee, aren't you? That's just who I am, all right. But my friends call me Lorelei. I do hope you're my friend, because I just love to have handsome gentlemen be my friend. Well, my eyes are not what they might be. Have you ever heard me sing? No. Are you sure? Oh, I've not had the pleasure. Why, thank you ever so. A kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand. Hi, Miss Shaw. What are you going to be doing? All right, you guys, keep moving. Mr. Amos Jones and Valet. What are you doing? I'm checking the passenger list. Mr. Alfred Lohman, invalid. Mr. Eugene Martin, invalid. Why the sudden interest in valets? When a man has invalid after his name, he's definitely worthwhile. I'm simply trying to find a suitable gentleman escort for you. Well, don't bother. I've just provided myself with about 20. Dorothy, did you ever hear of a rich Paul Walter? Maybe not, but who cares? I like a man who can run faster than I can. I hate to think where you'll wind up. You're wasting all your time on unrefined persons without any money. Honey, did it ever occur to you that some people just don't care about money? Please, don't be silly. We're talking serious. You don't want to end up with a loveless marriage, do you? Me? Loveless? That's right. Because of a girl spending all of her time worrying about the money she doesn't have, how is she going to have any time for being in love? I want you to find happiness and stop having fun. That baffles me. You'll thank me someday. Here's a good one. Henry Spofford III invalid. I remember reading. The Spofford family owns practically a whole state. A big one, too. I think it's Pennsylvania. Well, I guess I could settle for Pennsylvania. Hello there, Mrs. Henry Spofford III. This is Henry Spofford III and Valet. He's not going to have anything I don't have. I'll see you later. 
Don't forget the cocktail party. There you are with Marilyn Monroe. There's with the blonde old. Was she good to work with? Yes, very good. She, How would you describe her personality? Marilyn is very shy. She was uh, a very hard worker mm -hmm. and uh, bound and determined to get ahead. What do you think when you hear these stories now, even uh, even tonight's news I was hearing, uh, was, I guess it was entertainment tonight, they're still trying to figure out what happened, circumstances around her death. Do you think it's better left alone? or? Oh, when are they going to let the poor girl go? You know. Is that your feeling about the, about the books written about people? Uh, Absolutely. My God, if I was dead, I'd want to just be, just go on. In working with Marilyn Monroe, I know in reading your book, you say that all that stuff that the studios or the media people tried to hype a feud between you and Marilyn no. was not true at all. Not at all. We got along very well. And as a matter of fact, Jane, you must have been a special friend to her, were you not? From things I, I reading between the lines in the book. Well, I don't know. We didn't get to know each other that well, but we were there every day on the set, and uh, when I found out that she was a little nervous about going out on the set, I stopped by her dressing room and, you know, say, come on, Blondel, it's time to go. We're due, you know, and she'd say, oh, oh, all right, Jane, and then she'd get up and we'd trot on the set together. She, she worked very hard. She always knew her lines and was absolutely determined to get ahead. But then what are all those stories about interminable delays that she would cause? I don't know. That was way later, much later. This was her first big starring role in her first big dressing room on the lot. and uh, She did look to her coach a lot and she worked with her coach after the full day shooting when I, I couldn't think of anything. We'd go home and eat and crash, you know. She'd go and work. She was really determined. And, uh, of course, Howard Hawks would see her look to the coach immediately after a take, and he, would have, he wasn't having any of that, so he finally had the coach put off the set. And she got a little unhappy about that. But she was very sensitive and much brighter than people thought she was. You know, I've thought so many times, Jane, because I've covered films and actors and actresses for a good many years, and I've, I've wondered why it is that a, a person like yourself now, you've been able to cope with everything that's come along in your life professionally and personally, and then you take somebody like Marilyn who couldn't cope and it ultimately became, you know, just yeah. overcame her. Do you have any theories on that? Well, I... Now, in my own case, I was home. I didn't have to leave home and then go to Hollywood. I lived across the hills. I was only half an hour away. And we saw people from studios all around. It was a way of life there. And I had my four brothers and my mom and all my old, same old, you know, high school friends. And my life was, didn't change that radically. And I, uh, I think that's a very important thing to have that, you know, that home base. And when you have, uh, when you're up, it's great. And when you have a tough time, they're there for support. And I think that's very important. I think that's one of the reasons that I, you know, I'm so hep on adoption because I think everybody needs to have a home base. 
And that's what Marilyn did not have. Yeah. And she kind of went from one group to another group to another group, you know, and she didn't, uh, I don't think she had very many really old buddies. Were you able to keep up with her through the years? No. Um, I don't think Marilyn kept up with too many people at all. She's kind of whichever, whoever was managing or running the show at the time, she spent all her time with them. And uh, that may have contributed to the problem, too. I think so. Of insecurity. Yeah. Which is basically, sure. I guess, what because it was. Because then you're totally alone. Yeah. Um, she did call when we made Gentlemen Marry Brunettes after that. Jean um, Crane and I were in New York doing publicity and she had her secretary call and say if there was anything that she could do she was there to help and and uh, so it was friendly but we just weren't in touch really. Bonjour mesdames. Bonjour mesdames, how do you do? I am the manager, may I help you? Certainly may show me a place to take my shoes off. My feet are killing me. Dorothy, please, a lady never admits her feet hurt. Bonjour. Bonjour, mademoiselle. You have your reservations? Yes, we do. It's in the name of Mr. Augustus Esmond. This is Miss Shaw. Hi, Miss Lee. Hi. Oh, yes. We have been expecting you. This way, please. Where? Miss Lee. Sure. Well, I thought surely in all Paris we could lose you. Madame, are these the persons you were talking about? Yes, these are the persons. Why, Lady Piggy, I mean Pigman, what a pleasant surprise. Mm, I dare say. You may proceed, Pritchard. This person is Miss Lee. Uh, Miss Lee, I represent the Suffolk and Greater London Insurance Company. Well, thank you ever so. I never buy insurance. Sell it to Mr. Malone. He needs it in the business he's in. What is all this? Young woman. If you return the tiara, I'm willing to forget this squalid incident. Uh, allow me to clarify, my lady. A lady Beekman's tiara, which is insured with my company, has been reported as stolen. What's that got to do with us? Uh, we've been informed. It's in your possession. Is that true? Absolutely not. Honey, why don't you let Lorelei talk for herself? She'll do better than that. She'll sue you for slander, honey. Tell them. Go on. Well... We're waiting. None of your business. Well, I'm afraid it's very much our business. Honey, just tell them you haven't got it. Tell... Oh, Lorelai, you didn't. I did not steal Lady Beekman's tear. Then perhaps you'll explain how it happens to be in your possession. Suppose we say that's my affair. Well, that's one explanation. Lord Beekman knows it wasn't stolen. Ask him. We've already done so, Miss Lee. And? He denied knowing anything about it and departed for the interior of Africa. <laughs> Piggy wouldn't do that. Miss Lee. Are you or are you not going to give back the tiara? I wouldn't dream of doing the same. It's mine and I'm going to keep it. That remains to be seen. Come, Pritchard. You'll find that I mean business. Really? Then why are you wearing that hat? She had um, just a tremendous amount of sympathy and empathy and feeling for... Uh, people situations and uh, she was always a little unhappy and mad at the big <laughs> the big boys you know she did have a chip on her shoulder about it 
and it's too bad if she could have dropped that it she might not have had to fight so hard she was certainly not your dumb blonde at all she's a very bright sensitive girl she would had very a lot of empathy and understanding and she had a fey sense of humor which was really very cute and uh, they all adored her. Marilyn worked very hard. Uh, I would go home after a day's work and I was exhausted and I wanted to go home and spend it with my family and eat dinner and and relax for a few hours. She'd go and work with her coach until you know midnight sometimes and then turn around and come back in the next morning. I don't know how she did it. Jane was already a show business veteran when you and Marilyn worked together in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, but it was one of her first big pictures, I think. Uh, what was it like to work with her? Was this lady on time? Was she punctual? Was she a pro? I know you are, but what was she like? Well, I'd been working for a long time, and um, Marilyn didn't even have a dressing room on the 20th Century Fox lot. She'd already made Niagara, but... Oh, yeah. uh, uh, she didn't have her own dressing room, which is insane. And um, she got her first dressing room when we did Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And she was uh, very sensitive, super sensitive. Um, so she got her feelings hurt, you know, a lot. The guys around the studio are not exactly... Uh, Tactful. <laughs> no, not tactful. And uh, she would. She started being a little bit late. And uh, Howard Hawks was the director, and Jack Cole was doing the dancing. And uh, he he really had a <laughs> a problem with the two of us. When I first met Marilyn, we were rehearsing the dancing, and uh, neither one of us were dancers. And Jack Cole would be very tough on his own dancers, but he was the patience of Job with us. He was so dear and so sweet, and he would do it over and over until we were doing it, you know, without even thinking, because <laughs> that was the only way we could do it. You would think with high-powered women like that, I noticed you got top billing. Well, uh, I, I'd been around a long time. I'm a very old broad. <laughs> Did, uh, what was uh, your nickname for Marilyn? I called her Blondle. Blondel? Blondel. <laughs> you know, can, can I, there's something that I say in, in the book that's something that Marilyn said about you, which I'm sure you know, but which I really liked, which Marilyn at one point said, well, gee, she, that she really, how nice Jane had been to her, and she said, you know, gee, Jane tried to convert me to religion, and I tried to convert her to Freud. <laughs> But you know, the strange thing is that one of the things I feel that Marilyn was looking for all her life and that would have helped her was not religious, but some kind of spiritual center, well, something to I hold on to. I think you have to have that in life. And she never I certainly it. wasn't trying to introduce her to religion because I don't like religion. Or spirit. But it was the Lord. Yes, it was exactly. the Lord. And we had a, a group called the Hollywood Christian Group, and Connie Haynes and uh, Rhonda Fleming, Donald O'Connor, a whole gang of us would meet in a home, and we ha asked different speakers. So after Marilyn and I were working for a while, I thought, well, maybe she would be interested. So 
So one night she followed me out to Connie's house, and uh, we had the to do, and uh, it was a very good speaker. And after we just sat around half the time on the floor because there were never enough seats in anybody's house for this gang, and we did it because everybody that had come to Hollywood might feel peculiar going to church. They'd get stared at and that kind of thing. Actually, that and makes a lot of sense. So yeah. it is a Christian yeah. meeting. It was a Christian meeting, very informal. And sense. the next day she said, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> okay. You know, so I said, okay, but you know what? fine. Uh, 1953, you go to Fox. You're a big star. You bring your team with you. You're <laughs> teamed up with a sort of unknown blonde girl called Marilyn Monroe yeah. to make a film, Gentlemen yeah. Prefer Blondes. Yeah. It's, it's understandable and obvious why men loved you in the films because of your beauty. But it's also interesting, my mum said to me, you know, your dad loved Jane Russell, but I loved her too. And women liked you uh, in very much in your films, particularly in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, I think. And it's something to do that, like the, the scene I've we got here. Buddies. Yeah, that kind of buddy protectiveness. Yeah. And there's a, the, the, just two little girls from Little Rock, the opening song, when Monroe's doing her bits, you're, there's this look on your face of absolute, like, sisterly list, which <laughs> yeah. is so, so sweet and so charming. Little Rock, Little Rock. Oh, she was something else. <laughs> she was adorable. But she would get her feelings hurt. Now, this is what we were talking about earlier, girls. Um, the one that was playing her boyfriend after their first kiss. Somebody asked him, what was it like? And he says, I felt like I was being swallowed whole. <laughs> you know. Well, she overheard that, and she burst into tears and went running into the dressing room and closed the door and it took forever to get her out. Now that's ridiculous. You know, I would just say, you, you're be so lucky, honey. <laughs> but that's what I mean about girls. That they're sort of... See, Mar Marilyn was not raised around boys. Yeah. That's why so, she needed you, the girl on the team, to sort of make her feel part of it all. There's a big difference if, if girls have been raised around boys or if they haven't. Marilyn had never had a dressing room before, so they gave her her first dressing room, and she was afraid to come out on the set. She would get there much earlier than I did. I was, I would get completely dressed in an hour, and other actresses would come in anywhere from 5.30 on. And you had to be on the set at 9 o'clock. I would come in at 8, and they would have my breakfast ready, and they would be rolling my hair dry, and they would, and I'd be putting my, and I was on the set at 9. Well, Marilyn wasn't there, and she'd been in since 5 or 5.30. So her makeup man told my makeup man, Shotgun, that, uh, Marilyn was just nervous about coming out. He says she's all ready, but she just, it, you know. And Howard Hughes was getting a little irritated. Hawks. And Hawks, I mean. And so I would go by her dressing room, and I'd say, "Come on, Blondie, let's go." Uh, you know, it's almost time. And she'd, "Oh, okay, all right." And she'd get up, and we'd trot on the set. And she was never late. She, she didn't know anybody out there. Yeah. 
and she was working with someone that had made a whole bunch of pictures, you know, and my crew and I were family. Howard Hawks, the director, says that uh, sometimes he would give you direction and then you would sort of translate it for her and then she would say, oh, right, I, I can do that. It's almost as if you were his go-between. Is that true? Well, we were friendly. We were very friendly. And I, was, she, I felt like she was a little sister, you know, that you could help along. And uh, the thing was, she had a coach on the set and instead of looking to the director after a take to see if it was okay, she would look to her coach. Mm. <laughs> you don't do that with Howard Hawks, honey. <laughs> so he put the coach off the lot. We started out, Marilyn and I started out learning the dance routines first. And Marilyn would have been with her coach the night before and she'd come in to do the dance rehearsals because neither one of us were dancers. And then after, I'd say, Jack, I'm not learning, you know, and he'd say, go, baby, go. It's fine. And then Marilyn would stay for another hour. Well, when I worked with Marilyn, it was really only her second starring role. And she was sh shy about going out on the set, She's not gonna but run away. Uh, know, her but makeup man wait. told my makeup wait. man that you know uh, she was already, she'd been in way before I had. And um, so I said, well, I'll just go by and get her. And I'd go by and say, come on, baby, it's time, you know, and she'd go, oh, okay. And she'd just get up and trot along. She was a... You liked her? Yeah, yeah. very much. Jane, how good was she as a talent? She was very good, and she had, uh, you know, they've said it before, she really wanted to be there. She would work with her coach the night before, she'd come on the set, and her first in instinct was to look at her coach. Well, you don't do that to <laughs> yeah. Howard Hawks. <laughs> so Did she he, share well with you? I mean, Hawk, they were two beautiful put, women in that gentleman prefer blondes. Did she share well with you? Did yes, she, she, she was didn't wonderful. Try to see and steal no, 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 no. We, she was like a little sister. Jane, did you think suicide when you heard she died? I, I had no idea. I was at the beach in, in Malibu at our beach house, and I had a lot of my girlfriends there, and each one had 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 a, a problem bigger than the last one and we were all really laughing about it because it was like oh man nothing could be that bad and the guys came home from playing uh, from uh, uh, hunting and they heard it on the air and I just thought oh god if Marilyn had only been here we could have all we would have been laughing about all the problems everybody had for listening. Stay tuned to the next show for when we'll have more about our favorite icon. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>